You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait, celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 143 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. It's been, you know, um, a busy time of year and mm. um, I'm keen to just catch up on my to-do list, to tidy my desk so I can see it, <laughs> to, um, you know, just do all of those admin things for a while just so yeah. that you can you, you can free your mind and, and declutter your brain to get on with the exciting stuff. Do you find that you need to do that? Yeah, I do. Like I will, uh, like I'm now looking, you've made me feel guilty because I'm looking at my desk Mm. and uh, there's not a lot of empty space here. (laughs) So uh, it is quite, but I'm, I'm, I like to work in organized chaos a little bit. Right. That's how I'm most comfortable. Uh, But yes, it's good. And I'm on that sort of um, in between, Jobs I've been working on trying to figure out what to do with the next computer upgrade. It's a real dilemma oh. for me, Val. I don't know what to do. I really am stuck because right. I love my Macs. I really do. Right. But I don't know where to go next and I don't like I've got. I don't really understand what you mean. Well, it's kind of like uh, to to upgrade. There's other computers that are like kind of leaving Mac behind in terms of how good they are. Mac haven't mm. upgraded their computer for ages, so mm. it's buying the same again. Or do I go to another system? Which I'm, you know, it's learning a whole new system. It's a really tough decision, and I've been putting it off now. Well, so what I've are got, the other options? Well, there's um. There's PC Val is the other yes. option, yes. you know. Or what's the have, other one? Have the, you seen the, car, have, the Charlie Brown character Linus? It's Linux. What is it? The other kind of community. <laughs> oh my god! Um, have oh, you have seen? You just, have you seen the Surface Studio? Uh, is that the one that you can actually uh, work directly on the? On the actual – it tilts, right? Yes, it tilts. It tilts. So it, I, go, it goes from I straight – I have – yeah. It goes from straight up and it can tilt at any angle. So you can stop it at any angle depending on whether you want to sketch on it or maybe you want to arrange your photos or whether you want to, you know, do whatever. Uh, you might want to use Photoshop. You, and because it um, – you can use a pen – like a stylus of sorts, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. surface pen. You can Photoshop, you know, not with directly, your mouse, but by yeah, directly drawing onto the on the screen. And mm. it also has a um, uh, a dial now, so it's sort of like a little. It looks like a mouse, but it's a it's a it's it's like a little like a, like a hockey, 
like a hockey puck and you can put it on your table but you can also put it on your screen and you can use that dial to change colors to change the different gradations of of whether you want brightness or 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 or, you know contrast or whatever it is yeah and um yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I've had a play with a few Surface Studios, and um, mm. it's oh, I, I I want one. <laughs> it's just the whole PC going from Mac to PC. So, um, like, I might not have a choice, but I'd love to hear what listeners are doing because there must be other listeners out there that are in the same boat as I am. They've bought their, uh, you know, their their workhorses several years ago and it's not like they they just don't last forever they're not designed to last forever val and it's like mm. i'm constantly getting that wheel of death you know when because oh. i've got too many apps going and well I just, it's time for yeah, you to change well, no it is so i have to make a big decision either i just like jump ship and it's like it's almost like i'm going to quit canon and go to nikon it's like that extreme when you go mac to pc so mm. i need to think about it but i want something that's going to take me you know into the next few years and not just change upgrade and then go oh no everyone else is like now you can you know levitate with your computer and you know i'd hate to miss out on stuff like that who knows we don't even know what's like going to happen in the next the, the technology is changing so fast that like you know I'd, I'd hate to miss out you always as soon as you buy something the next one comes out a month later you go oh i should have waited I it's know. never the right time but so yeah that's uh it's one of my dilemmas val well, I think that if you do end up changing, you have to accept the fact that there will be a learning curve. I mean, there is no I doubt know. about that. I know. I know. And it's just like when I changed, I did, I went from Nikon to Canon and I was mm. reluctant. I'm like, how am I going to learn a whole new system? Because it is a completely different system, all the buttons yes. and, and I just, everything was second nature. And it was kind of like a week of being uncomfortable and then mm. I guess I uh, I got into it. And it's like when you drive on the other side. Have I driven with you on in another country? Have you ever experienced mm. that with me? Mm, I don't. If you go right hand to left hand drive, and then for a little while, I tend to drive in the middle lane, just in the (laughs) of the road. I can't can't pick a side, and it's uncomfortable because you never, especially the left turn. I think is scary, Um, but then you get used to it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just a matter of getting used to it. So, yeah, news at com or post in the <laughs> Facebook group if you guys have any suggestions or anyone works in, in oh, the computer industry and has any, like, information for me that they'd like to share. That'd be great. But what is it that you, if you want people to help you, what is it exactly that you want to achieve? Just, just tell me what's out there. Tell me what's out there so I know, so that I've got all my information and I can, you know, check it all out and go from there that's how long is a piece of string you need to actually be a little bit more oh, I just want to hear what, what the, like other photographers are thinking like particularly uh the mac people the mac lovers uh, out there what 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 are their thoughts are they thinking of jumping as well and going mm. to pc i'd love okay. to know just keen yes. to know what's happening because i think there is tell a trend. Gina. i definitely think there's a trend 
All right, so we would like to give a shout-out to Infatuated in PA. Now, Infatuated in PA, which I can only assume is Pennsylvania, but please do let me know if I'm wrong, uh, has left us a review, a five-star review on iTunes and has called it, and I love this, Infatuated in PA has called it Indispensable, Irrefutable, Incontrovertible, Informational Podcast. Wow. The title itself is is just, <laughs> you know. It's a five-star title, isn't it? Yeah, it is yeah. enough. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but they have said, amazing information without pretense, unlike my title. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a photographer, the insight packed into every podcast is invaluable and entertaining. Thank you both for gifting us this incredible resource. Can I pack any more adjectives that start with I in here? <laughs> Looking forward to the next podcast. Well, there you go. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank in- you. Infatuated in PA. Really, mm. really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to do that. And if any other listeners uh, have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful because it certainly helps us in the rankings. Now, let's move straight on to this week's topic, which is really yep. good. Bad habits every photographer should ditch today. Mm. And the question is, do you make them? Mm. I fear that I may make some of these indeed because I I can have a lot of bad habits. <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's go through and see what bad habits Gina is talking about and see whether you can identify whether you do this or not. So what is the first one, Gina? So like, let's just qualify. When I'm talking bad habits, I'm not talking mm. about like, you know, drinking before midday <laughs> and uh, smoking behind the shelter sheds and eating <laughs> cheese late eating at cheese? night. Oh, I reckon that's a bad habit, <laughs> eating cheese okay. very late at night, like two in the morning or polishing off an entire jar of Nutella uh, <laughs> in one hit, you know, those sorts of bad habits. I'm talking about photography bad habits um, okay. that uh, – I think if you have a if photographers have a good look at themselves, and uh, it's easy to get uh, maybe lazy in the shooting style and uh, have some um, certain bad habits. But I think there's a few that uh, probably should be ditched. And if you do uh, get rid of these bad habits, I think uh, your photography will soar as a result of it. So uh, first one, Val. Mm, yes, shooting geez. on auto. Oh, okay. Yes. Auto. Yes. So you mean, but you don't mean auto focus. You mean shooting what, auto. What? So buying the camera, uh-huh. the beautiful camera, and just putting it on automatic and taking photos right. that way. Yes. Which, yes. Look. So you let you, the photographer select the you let the camera select the aperture and shutter speed and and everything ISO, for you. What, You're not the referring. Does everything. Yeah. You're not referring so, to autofocus. No, I'm just shooting auto, auto, shooting auto everything. The little Um, green rectangle. Yeah, that's it. And look, when you first buy the camera, I actually recommend that uh, people do shoot in auto because you've got to get your head around how how to work it and and, uh, just the feel of the camera. It's a great, great starting point, okay? So it's baby steps. But once – You've got your head around it and you're used to shooting with it. I really think you should then start 
uh, learning how to shoot in manual mode. I think it's really important. I think that having a, a DSLR camera and only ever shooting on auto, it's kind of like Val having a going out and buying a Maserati and then you only drive in first gear. <laughs> okay, or, yes. You know, you know those really fancy coffee machines, big stainless steel, really sexy ones, right? You got yes. one of those but you only ever use it just to boil water. Well, you know, there's like 90% of it, all the power of it is Mm -hmm. making coffee and you're using it to make instant coffee. That to me is what shooting on auto with with a a DSLR camera is. Well, like me, we have a Thermomix and I pretty much only ever use it to steam vegetables. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's like a (laughs) – they're not – Oh, my God. Do you want my steamer and I'll swap you for your Thermomix? No, I like my (laughs) Thermomix. But you don't use it. (laughs) Well, it still looks nice. You could make risotto. Val, you could cook with that thing. You could actually (laughs) cook, like not boiling cans of condensed milk (laughs) and making caramel. You could actually make like risotto, bread. I don't like risotto. Pasta. Mm. Well, okay. Okay. But anyway, my point is I get your point. Yeah, so having a Thermomix <laughs> and only using it to steam vegetables is now going to go into every workshop I ever. <laughs> <laughs> I know someone who had a Thermomix and only ever used it to steam vegetables. So yeah, I did it last it's... night. <laughs> you I steam your I, I oversteamed them. Oh my I think god! The that's my suggestion was wrong. Steam vegetables, and you still you still got it wrong, Val. <laughs> <laughs> I can do other things good. Yeah, oh, there's plenty of things you do well, Val. You can't be good at everything, all right? That's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> so the other way I look at at a camera. And, like, don't get me wrong, Hans, the guy who invented the camera, he's done an amazing <laughs> job in, in making them. Um, these great – I look at them as sexy-looking photocopiers that you can carry, basically. The, what, cameras? So, yeah. So, basically, okay. what it is, you look outside and you go, oh, that looks nice, and you get your portable photocopier out, <laughs> put it on automatic – Hold it mm-hmm. up, and it'll give you an exact copy of what you see outside. It's a photocopy, Val. Okay. That's what shooting in auto is. Now, the choice that you have is you can pick the decisive moment. So you can decide that you want to photocopy that tree over there, or you can move to your right and photocopy that tree over there uh, as well. Or there might be someone walking through the frame, so you can photocopy them as they walk through the frame. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you're lucky when you're doing this, uh, all the planets will align and you'll find yourself in a location where there's great lighting and an interesting subject and you take your photocopy and you will get a great shot. But that's down to luck. If you mm. want to if you want to take and, – and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great way to record stuff and uh, photograph things mm-hmm. as, as you see them happening. But mm-hmm. – a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, Val, they want to take their photos 
up to another level. They want to stand out from all the other photos that are out there. And so I think the only way to do this is to switch over to manual mode and really take control of how you create your shots. So you get to choose, not the camera, you get to choose the aperture, the shutter speed, the ISO, the white balance and the decisive moment valve. All those things combined are going to give you unique images that you interpret the light as you see it. You can have a shallow depth of field. You could have it pin sharp all the way through. You could change the white balance to make it very warm or very cold. You'll control, you control the look of the shot. You make a shot that's uniquely yours, not something that the portable photocopier that you have in your hand is going to create for you. Well, I have to say that until last year, I was guilty of this bad habit. I was guilty of not always, but the vast majority of the time, 99% of the time, shooting on auto. And it wasn't until Gina taught me how the, the steps on how to shoot in manual, and now that's all I do. I only shoot in manual. I love the thought process that Gina taught me on how to shoot in manual. It makes it a thousand times easier than I thought. And all of this is going to be available in Gina's new course, which is literally about to launch, uh, called um, Master the Magic of Manual Mode and Get Off Auto Forever. And you can find that. Just go to ginamilitia.com and click on courses. Um, and uh, actually, you can go to ginamilitia.com slash manual and you will get there and make sure you go there because on that page you can register your interest for a special pre-launch discount that will only be available at the time of launch and that price will never be repeated. So make sure you register your interest in that so that you you will receive that offer of the special pre-launch discount that will never be repeated. But trust me, I have gone through the course myself because Gina taught me (laughs) and – And I only shoot in manual now and uh, it makes so much sense. It is a thousand times easier than I ever thought it would be. So, yes, I digress. Please do continue. Gina. I should do a course on the Thermomix as well, Val. You reckon? How, what do you how mean? How to cook with it so that you can then you use that. You haven't got a Thermomix. I could get one. I could borrow yours for a little while. <laughs> I'll do a course and then I'll teach you how to make – pasta in it okay pie is that your favorite pie yes it's my favorite well, maybe you, you, oh it's a cake you could well, whip one a, of those up yeah well that's okay i've got enough things that i got to learn oh, steaming vegetables is pretty impressive for you though yeah that's I know. like next level mm. stuff i never thought i'd hear you say I you know. were macrame and steaming <laughs> vegetables <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like the world's going to tip off its access. The next uh, bad habit, Val, yes. is uh, having to do uh, is another way of shooting, and that's shooting on autopilot. And so that's mm. oh uh, yes. All right. So there's a difference between um, mm. taking a photo and mm. making a photo. A oh, snapshot. I like that. A snapshot is where you go and you take the photo. It's so Mm. you hold up your portable photocopier and Mm. frame it up 
and you take the photo. You're hoping that, again, all the planets align in the way that you want them to. You get the great light, the great subject, the great position. Everything happens and you take that great shot. You take it. It's Mm. a snapshot with a bit of luck is is what happens if you get a great shot that way. Mm. And so you will get a great shot. You will probably get an exceptional shot in your lifetime. You probably get more than one. Chances are if you're out there every day shooting this way, you're going to get a couple of really good shots. Yes. But if you want to take great shots consistently, Val, you mm-hmm. need to start learning how to make shots. Yes, I love that description. Involved, get involved in mm. the creation of the image. And that goes from sitting down and very similar to like how some writers work, Val. I know there's two different ways, but like some writers might plot out the whole story that they're writing mm. and they'll mm. know that this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and you plan it out. Like even maybe more to do with I know that when I've written, created uh, reference books for photography, I've planned it out, all the stages, okay? Or, mm. Val, when you're doing your macrame, your art, <laughs> Rope art. Um, yes. If you, because now that I've done a course in macrame with a macrame master, Valerie <laughs> Koo, now that yeah. I've done the course, I understand that I don't think you can freely, free, uh, what's the word, um, freestyle macrame. It's not conducive to freestyling because. You kind of really need to think about what you're doing ahead of time, particularly like I tried to freestyle a hanging plant holder, right, a pop yeah. holder, and it didn't work because I didn't think it through. Duh. The sun goes, <laughs> <laughs> did you just duh me? Yeah. <laughs> I told you that before you started. No, but I had to find it out for myself. Mm-hmm. The, the same. The same can be said for uh, taking photos. If you can plan, put as much planning into the image as possible, and that is sitting there and actually seeing it in your mind's eye. This is what I want to do, and then um, planning it like by creating a storyboard. Well, these are the colors I'd like. This is where I'd like to position the per- the person. It's like I did. I've done this from the start of my photography career where I've wanted to do portraits, I've thought about the chair they'd be sitting in, how they'd be sitting, where they'd be looking, the mood they'd be in. And I storyboarded everything. Uh, I don't, I still do it. I'm not having to do it as much because I've got the images in my mind's eye. But if you can see the image you want Mm. to create and really build on that and taking it to the next level, uh, Pre-visualizing includes adding light, and that might be reflecting light or finding really good light. It might be garage lighting. It might be window lighting, but really having some input and not leaving a lot to chance. So you'll have your backdrop selected. You'll have some – there might be – one little prop that, that like a tiny little addition to a photo can make an image go from bland to amazing just by adding one tiny little prop that makes the story meaningful, Val. So these are the things. It's mm. not turning up, holding up the camera and going snap. It's like building or adding all the little elements to create an amazing shot. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Yep, absolutely. So when you're there doing stuff, uh, get involved. I see so many photographers and it's almost like there's this barrier between them and particularly when they're working with models, there's like this wall, there's this invisible wall where they're not prepared to step over that line and get involved in the shoot. They say nothing and they do nothing and they they put all the – responsibility onto the model, the person being photographed, to give them the photo, Mm -hmm. right? They want that person to do all the work, whereas I believe a good photo, it should be um, like a, a collaboration between the model and the photographer, yes, but I actually put the responsibility... 90% of it onto the photographer and it's the photographer's responsibility to direct the model to know exactly what they're looking for, what looks good and help the person because if you're standing there on set, you can only guess that what you're doing is going to look right and even like I've worked with uh, many of the best models in the world and even they will ask for direction because they they know that it might look good but like just that little tweak a couple of millimeters or chin down or face to the left can really help take that photo to the next level so work on the direction work on the emotions the energy that you bring to the shoot is going to have a huge impact on how that person reacts to you and how they're going to be looking it's your job as the photographer to get that spark going in the eyes to get that uh, to get that reaction and to bring that positive energy into the room and yes. and it doesn't just stop there at working with the models Val it's also like having a look around in the environment is there rubbish in the back of the shot yes get rid I'm of good it. at that I'm quite good at that. Move the bin. Look to a final Mm -hmm. scan and get involved Mm. in cleaning up the shot and making it the perfect image, not like, oh, there's a a bin over there and really looking at the things growing out of the tops of people's heads. Yes. Style, go in, fix the clothes. You know, sometimes a jacket can make someone look really bulky, but if it's pinned in the right way, it can uh, streamline the body and be really flattering. So it's all those little details, Val. So it's about getting involved. So the whole thing, take, make the photo, don't just take it. Get involved at all levels to create. It's not an accident that you get a good shot. It shouldn't be an accident. It should be something Mm. that you're really involved in. Yes, I'm always quite surprised when I work with some photographers, obviously not you, uh, but when I work with some photographers who don't notice the little things and I'm the one that says, "Don't isn't that rubbish bin in the shot or isn't that, you know, in the shot or isn't her hair messy or whatever? And uh, I'm really they're, – they're so focused on getting their focus right and also getting the lighting right, which of course are important things, that they don't see the bigger picture because to me, in some cases, the shot is unusable if, if you know, the, her hair's a mess or, or, or whatever. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it is surprising how focused – some photographers can be on the technical side that they 
just neglect the other important stuff, which are deal breakers. Uh, All right. And so I think if you go to the website and in the search bar, if you Google, uh, you you put in ultimate portrait checklist, there's a blog post that I did that lists all those things that you could probably print out. And, you know, if you're early on in your career and these things don't come as second nature, and they will, the more shoots that you do. But if it's early on, this is overwhelming, Val. So I've created this checklist, print it out, put it in your pocket and take it on your shoot. And it just take a minute before you press the shutter, just go, okay, have I checked the hair, the bins in the background, da, 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 and it makes it much easier to, to not miss those things, particularly if it's one of those shoots that is never to be repeated again. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what else? So the next one, and I think this is like a really lazy habit and people don't put, like photographers don't put a lot of importance on this and I'm surprised at how many uh, professional photographers I also see doing this and I think it's uh, not until you get caught out that you'll see the importance of it and that's poor file naming protocol. Oh, yes, I hear you. Poor file naming or let's call it what it is, no file naming. So what they do is uh, each of the files, when the camera takes an image, the camera will stamp that file with an image number and it will be something random like ZXC12379 four dot and then the file extension, right? Right. It's very easy Uh and this is, uh, I think it's a lot of photographers who are skipping the uh, the processing uh, protocol part of an image and they're just getting the photos out of their camera onto a hard drive or, a, you know, or they're transferring them directly and they're not bothering to rename them. So what happens is um, if you're going to be good at your job and you're going to have a career in this, and uh, this probably happens to me every other day, is I'll get a <laughs> message from someone saying, uh, there's a job you did uh, in 2011. We're now going to use that image as a poster. We want to license off it off you. There's a fee, blah, blah, blah. Can we have it uh, tomorrow? Mm. And now, if I had to use the ZXC123456 protocol, how on earth am I going to find that image quickly? Mm, that's right. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> so, and also uh, the client who has the image, they might send you the file and they'll go, do you have ZXC123456? <laughs> You've got no idea what year it was shot, you know. Mm. So it just it's just making all this extra work. But if you've got a simple protocol that you implement and consistently implement with all your shots, you're never going to be caught out. You'll have this lovely filing system and it's not too late. If you haven't done it up till now, make a point of starting today. From the next shoot that you do, you're going to have this consistent file naming protocol. And what I do, Val, if I was shooting Rexy. Yeah, little Rexy. So I'd name the job after the person. For 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 the new for new listeners, that's my adorable baby cat. (laughs) So I'd name it Rex seventeen because it was Rex, and then I'd put the year in 2017. I'd just put 17 because, okay. like, chances are I'm not going to be shooting him in 3,100. 
I doubt that I'll be around then. But anyway, so that's optimistic of you, Val. So if you want to be that, then fine, 2017. The other thing is I like to uh, keep the file name as short as possible because if you've got very long extensions, Mm. hard to read in folders. So just try and keep it as short as possible so people can see them in uh, previews and web galleries and things like that, the entire uh, file name. So Rex 17, and then I use underscore to separate the uh, the main part of the job name and year, and then I put the file number. Now you can start with one as a you can rename each file as a number, or you can just use the camera's original. Uh, number as the extension so the camera will give it a 2749 you can keep that and then it's uh, consistent throughout so there's a couple different ways to do it but that's I think one of the best things you could do for yourself is to just get organized in that way and keep your keep your files together I can't I'd like it just looks it's the equivalent of like you go to all this trouble of lighting the shot, making it beautiful, like delivering it a great shot, and then you give the client this pile of images that are just, they look like garbage. Yes. So my question is, because um, some people will think, okay, but, you know, there's 100 shots, I've got to rename all the shots. Is there an automated way that yes. the shots can be it's, renamed? It's automatic. Yep. So as you import them into Lightroom, you can rename them. As you, like, you, the, like it's automatic. It takes literally a second. I reckon and you should do a tutorial you, on that, Gina. I probably should. You can rename yes. them and you can um, you can also add all your metadata and copyright information and where people can find you. So That's if the file is there, yes, sure. <laughs> sure. Definitely. We'll, we'll, we'll do a tutorial on that and put that in the God community for all the God members. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. But definitely poor file naming protocol is certainly a bad habit that needs to be stamped out. All right. What's the next one, Gina? So the next one is uh, just shooting in JPEG. And so, oh, again, yes, again, you're into this, aren't you? I really am. And like, mm. I think that um, a lot of photographers, when they're starting out, it is just the easiest way to work because JPEGs are universally recognised. Yeah. By, by all computers, every everyone, like you can send your JPEG to your phone, it'll be seen, you know, you send it to whoever, it doesn't matter if they've got the latest and greatest software, they don't need it to open a JPEG. And also when you're starting out and you're not sure about processing you're not going to want to be working out what the hell to do with raw files. The other thing about raw files is they're large. They take up a lot of space and you've got this raw file, what do you do with it? I think it's really important to just, even if you are not ready to work on post-production, you may be an absolute beginner in photography and you're not ready to learn say photoshop or lightroom or capture one or there's like gimp there's so many different uh methods of processing raw files if you're not ready don't have the time to embrace that yet at the very least just shoot in both you can set your camera to shoot raw and jpeg i know it's going to take up extra space on the card but trust me trust me on this 
in a year's time when you're ready to start processing files, you will thank me for this little bit of advice to just shoot both and yeah. put the raw files away because when you work out what is possible – what you can do with a raw file, you're going to go, oh, my God, I was in the Rocky Mountains. I shot in – I I only shot in JPEG. I should have shot in – like there's all these spots that you might only go to once in your life. If you're there, just shoot in raw and JPEG. Use the JPEGs for now. You can post them to, you know, Facebook or whatever, or Instagram. You've got the you've got the raw files for later on when you're ready. And just for the math geek, there's a great blog post uh, by a photographer of the name Michael Gray who breaks down the numbers, the math on the difference in the reason why I insist that everyone shoot in RAW is just the sheer volume of information that you get in a RAW file compared to a JPEG file. So a RAW file, Val, has 68.7 billion colors possible. Wow. Compared to a JPEG file, 16.7 billion. Now, I know 16.7 million. I know 16.7 million is a lot, but when you think about it, Lightroom was specifically designed to process raw files, not JPEGs. So you're already up against it, and that's why you'll notice we did a whole show on this optimizing images for the web, I think, and for print, where I've touched on this several times in lots of different episodes, but like you are limiting yourself if you only shoot in JPEG. There's only so much information that a JPEG file will have compared to a raw file. And if you look at those images, those jaw-droppingly detailed, beautiful beautifully toned images they're all shot in raw to start with so give yourself the best possible chance work in raw yeah okay great fantastic i know you're really into that so (laughs) (laughs) fine um so just touching on this because there's an entire episode ignoring color balance so episode 68 in the podcast skin deep how to color balance exposed skin tones covers this in great detail but like uh you you know one of the first things i noticed when a newbie uh photographer will post something is that the white balance is off so learning about white Mm. balance at the very least when you're starting out just match your white balance of your camera to the room that you're setting so if you're you'll have uh, different settings that you can change so if you're shooting in a room that's tungsten lit, uh, then you change the settings to tungsten. If you're outside and you're shooting in daylight, then change the settings to daylight so that you've got control. And there's uh, examples in the show notes of just how color balance, white balance is going to affect your shot. And the difference is extraordinary. And particularly if you're working with skin tones or edible stuff, food, like the wrong white balance on food, if the plates are looking yellow or green and your potatoes, your mashed potatoes have a green tinge, it's not going to be really appealing. So nailing that white balance is so important, Val. All right? Yep. Uh, Absolutely. uh, chimping, uh, like I've talked about so many times, but I just think you lose the flow. All of right, the stop, 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 and please explain to people who might <laughs> be new love. to the podcast on <laughs> what chimping is because not everyone's going to get it, Gina. 
All right. So there's an action that you look at any group of photographers when they're shooting now in the digital era is what they'll do is they'll take a photo and then they'll like they'll look through the viewfinder, take a shot, and then bring the viewfinder down and look at the uh, LCD screen and look at it and they go, ooh, and then they bring the camera back to their eye. They'll take another shot. They'll look down. They'll point to something and they'll go, ooh. And you see this rapidly enough. Look, look down, ooh. Look, look down, ooh, what do you become? You become a chimp. And then when you see, like, lots of photographers on mass doing that, it looks, makes them look like a, a, a bunch of chimps. And so that's where the phrase chimping came from. Did now, you make that up or is that from somewhere? Huh? Did you make that up or is that from somewhere? That, like chimps? Yeah, no, I looked into the origin of the word chimping vowel. I've researched it. Okay. I, I come to these podcasts prepared, okay? Okay. <laughs> oh my so God. the problem – look, there's nothing wrong with uh, checking the back of the screen, all right? The problem is that you tend to um, – it, you lose the flow and you um, lose the ability to back yourself to know you've got the shot. And so I think it's really important that you um, take a shot, check, zoom in on the eyes, make sure if you're doing a portrait, make sure it's sharp. If you're doing some other shot, make sure your composition is right. Okay, use the LCD for that. That's what it's designed for. But then – Is someone moving furniture in the background? <laughs> So um, it's not. It's actually uh, Gaza has found uh, like he's found a um, you know the wheat bags. Yes, he's found the wheat bag, but it's got it's got a zebra print on it. So so he's captured because like you know he's a wild animal, so he's captured. So this is a Maltese Shih Tzu called Gary. Everyone. He's captured a zebra. Right. <laughs> now he's going in for the kill. <laughs> okay. Yes. He's Very a bit of a cujo. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. That was him. You know, when they shake the animal to make sure it's yeah. dead. Okay. Yeah, All right. That's what well, he's it's, doing. It, Gaza, it's dead. Okay, we can hear. You've, you've done a great job. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Gaza. Sorry about that. So, um. The chimping, when you do the chimping, it um, it takes away from the flow of the shot. So back yourself yes. but learn to back yourself and stay focused on the person or the scene that you're photographing. And not as a lot is going to change between, uh, you know, one frame to the next and you're going to see more and be able to focus more on the person if you just keep your eye through the viewfinder and continue to direct from there and not interrupt the flow. Yeah. All right. No right. chimping. I love no it. No chimping. Uh, another thing that uh, I think uh, is a bad habit for photographers and it really also, takes – Also, I'd like to say that it's it can um, make your subject lose confidence in you. Exactly. It, it yeah. does. It does. I'm, I think that uh, is one of the quickest ways to have someone lose confidence in you because it looks mm. like you're uncertain. You're constantly going, um, yeah. yeah um, so, yeah, just uh, practice that. And if you are uh, like uh, a, a, a chimping, you're addicted to chimping, uh, <laughs> Get your um, LCD screen and tape it up. Just put some paper on it, put a post-it note on it and Mm. try and do a few shoots where you're not allowed to see what you're doing. 
Great. Let's help for uh, chimping addiction. Uh, the other one, Val, is only shooting paid work. Uh, if you're a, a professional uh, photographer and all you ever do is shoot when someone pays you to shoot, what happens is uh, you find that your work is client-led and this can be really dangerous. Like you can turn around in a couple of years' time and look back at your folio and say, well, look, I've been getting all these great paid gigs but you put those paid gigs up on as folio and you'll find that someone else has has been directing and it's someone else's idea and it kind of is someone else's work. You've shot it, of course, but it takes on a whole new life. And I was caught out, I think, uh, over like – 2009, 2010, I did not have any time to do any personal work, Val, and all yeah. I did was shoot, 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 shoot at 70, 80-hour weeks. And wow. I looked back over the body of work and there were good good gigs, Val. They were like great high-profile gigs, but there was nothing, like everything looked the same. It was yeah. all the same sort of clients and I had nothing fresh. And then it was like I became um, kind of bored with the work as well. Mm. And really, it's a really dangerous thing. So I think it's so important that at, even when you're doing, like you're busy doing paid gigs, make sure you get out there and do personal projects because that's what keeps your heart beating for photography. That's what keeps it alive. That's what keeps it exciting and uh, and keeps your work fresh because I guarantee that clients are not going to book you off your paid gigs. They're going to book you off the personal stuff that you do, the stuff that shows your personality and who you are. Yeah, great. All right. All right. Love it. Uh, Are there, yeah, yeah, other bad habits? A couple more, Val. So I see this uh, occasionally and I just think it's something that we should all uh, avoid doing and that's bagging other photographers. Oh, yeah, no good, bad karma. As an artist, like who knows, like we all have maybe have experienced that where someone – critiques our work and it's hard to take if someone critiques gently and constructively and then it's a great thing but um just bagging another photographer who perhaps is uh more successful than you or like you know it's it's i don't know it's human nature if you feel threatened or a little bit jealous of someone else that you just go oh Look at their lighting style. It's kind of like, and that's out of focus. I just think it's uncool, unnecessary, and I think like there is enough room for all of us to get along. And I just think it's a it's a nice thing to do to just uh, be kind and and uh, respectful of everyone else. And uh, and like we don't know what someone has done to get to where they are. And probably like like I hear the thing I hear the most is a photographer that's extremely successful and extremely busy they go well their work isn't even that good I'm like it's not the point they've probably worked incredibly hard to get where they are and and like you know that's the point and that's what should be celebrated that they've obviously done all the right things to get there well or not I mean you don't you might not like a particular photographer's work or whatever and that's fine you're completely entitled to your own opinion it's just that you don't have to say it out loud (laughs) 
No, and, and yeah, I just think it's uncool. All mm-hmm. right, so um, the other uh, not not owning up, not taking responsibility for your actions, Val. So this is um, something that I've seen uh, photographers do on set. And so that that comes back to, okay, so uh, the shoot didn't go well because the model was anxious and a bit nervous and difficult to uh, photograph. So there's two ways of looking at it. You can go, well, the model, (laughs) model sucked. Mm. The model sucked. That's why I got bad photos. It's mm. uh, the model's fault and um, the client, all of them, we didn't get along. It's their fault. Mm. Or you can say, well, you know, maybe uh, the, I have uh, something uh, to, to um, put into this. Did I work the model as well as I could have to mm. get that reaction or emotion out of them? All right? Mm. So... Being responsible, taking responsibility for your actions as well, I think is an important part of a good shoot. Yes, I think that uh, I tell a similar story with, you know, being a writer, sometimes you interview people and they could be really boring or they could be terrible, terribly rude or they could just be, you know, all sorts of things could go wrong or they could literally just not be, uh, not bring it. If you know what I mean, yeah, on the and, day, on. yeah, on the day, or, or or an event that you're sent to cover might not bring it or whatever. And I think, and I always say to people that a good writer can make a blade of grass sound absolutely fascinating. Exactly. So the skill is in the craft, the craft of writing or the craft of photography. So regardless exactly. of whether you get to shoot Kate Moss or a rock, <laughs> as in <laughs> a not lump the of rock, stone. Jane Johnston, but <laughs> Johnson, but lump of stone then you can still do a a great job because the skill is in the craft absolutely i've seen you do that val when we were doing um, (laughs) no when we were doing uh uh, like a whole string of interview i was shooting you were doing the interviews for many uh overseas magazines and uh we'd be interviewing uh young teenage stars I guess Soap stars, uh, yeah. soapy stars and often it would be their first or their second interview and they were yeah. young they were seeing no life experience and yeah. so Valerie would go question so uh this is exciting blah 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 how do you feel about that and the, <laughs> this guy or girl would go yeah <laughs> and then and then you just like come back with give them an answer so that they could go yeah <laughs> It was just like, yeah, nah, yeah. And what do you? How how does it feel to work on this particular top rating show for the first time? Yeah, it's great. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yes. So the challenge there is to turn that into some riveting reading. (laughs) And so you can get the equivalent of that in uh, personalities. And I have met. A-list stars who have been like that and it's like Mm. and their characters certainly aren't but the reality is they may be incredibly, incredibly shy or something's going on in their life that you just don't know about. So like we don't know what mood someone's going to come to the studio but if you've got all the techniques um, and are ready to really bring it when you shoot them, you're going to get the most out of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and finally, Val, the last point is uh, right. 
shooting for likes or trying to cater to your market. And I see this is a bad habit. So I know for a fact that if I post a sunset to my Instagram, I will get more likes than if I post um, (laughs) another particular kind of shot. So if I was to be constantly swayed by that, then I'd yes. just go out and shoot sunsets, but I know that I'm not going to get many paid gigs uh, just doing sunsets. So, like, you can be influenced by the market and think that you should shoot to um, what the market likes at the moment. So if I was to do that right now, I would change my style of uh, photography completely and like just Google portrait photography and I would see 90% of the shots are babies sitting on um, country roads with a sunset behind them and go, right, then that's how I should do all my portraits and because that's what everyone else is doing Therefore, mm-hmm. I better, you know, cater to the market and I know that that's going to get a lot of likes as mm. will, you know, shooting sunsets. And there's certain kinds of photos that are just going to get likes. The danger of uh, being overly popular is I call it the uh, Kardashian factor. <laughs> I just yes. made that up. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yes. That's what you get when something's incredibly popular. It's All like right. – Bland, it's beige, you know, um, certain fast food outlets that are the most popular in the world. But would you call it good? No. Mm. <laughs> it's So there's a danger in ca- catering to what everyone says is good and it's um, you lose yourself as a photographer. I think if you want to be a great photographer and you want your work to stand out, it has to be your work, you're leading rather than following behind the trends because the trends get old and you'll just get caught lost in the masses. Make your own style, do your own thing, be unique, show your personality. I love it. So they're Gina's suggestions for the bad habits that you should ditch today. So I would like you, Gina, to think about what hashtag Gina challenge is for this week. So for new listeners, we have a challenge every week and we call it uh, hashtag Gina challenge and then hashtag whatever the topic is. And we post that image on social media. Well, we post it in the Facebook group specifically. Uh, And if you aren't already a member of the listener community of this podcast, podcast in on Facebook it's free to join just search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community and request to join we'd love to see you in there and that is where you can post your um your interpretation of this week's topic now every week we have a different topic sometimes it's you know black and white sometimes it's color sometimes it's uh shooting stars sometimes it's night photography sometimes it's um shooting with flash whatever uh and uh, I know that some people who are new to the community, they might lurk for a while before they get the courage to post something, but really don't be scared to post. We love seeing shots from people all around the world and uh, it's so fantastic to see different people's interpretations of these topics. So what is Hashtag Gina Challenge this week, Gina? 
Bad habits, Val. Oh, I love it. So upload your photo and put the two hashtags, hashtag Gina Challenge, hashtag bad habits. We'd love to see your interpretation of it. You can interpret it however you like. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that will be a lot of fun to see what people come up with with mm. bad habits. I know what uh, a few things spring to mind for me. But anyway, <laughs> um, where, until we chat again, where do we find you online, Gina? So GinaMilitia.com, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A and at GinaMilitia on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube. Val, what about you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and, of course, in the Facebook group and also in the gold membership at GinaMilitia.com, which is an awesome membership program where Gina releases regular tutorials. You get you get direct photo critiques from Gina as well as the opportunity to chat to Gina live every month and, of course, a, an, another super secret Facebook group that's only available to the people in the gold community. So I'd love to see you in there. Uh, if you want to find out more, go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.